The Start On Demand. On demand. Winnipeg-born NHL player Brendan Leipzig is in hot water, to say the least, after some degrading comments he made about women in a chat group have surfaced online. We'll discuss the ramifications of his comments and get CJOB Sports Director Kelly Moore's take. Adele posted a picture on her Instagram a couple of days ago, and people are commenting and celebrating her weight loss, but that triggered a backlash from others saying, why are you talking about her weight loss? So we'll have a conversation about the do's and don'ts when it comes to discussing people's bodies. Kenora would love for you to pay them a visit, but they're asking you to please stay away for now. We'll speak to the mayor of Kenora to find out why. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, May 7th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, hearing Jeff Braun talking about BDI getting ready to open has me thinking of tasty treats. I was at Safeway yesterday in Osborne Village, and I walked past. There's this there's this spot in the back of the store that always has a stack of cookies like Oreos and Chips Ahoy. And the, their latest flavor that I saw was tiramisu. Oh. Loren McNabb, would you try a tiramisu Oreo cookie? No. <laughs> and, and I have no... Uh- like I'll try all sorts of different flavors of chips, but the cookie doesn't draw me in. But you know what I am really intrigued by? Like, no matter what your favorite snack is or the things that like suck you in in a grocery store, I'm curious if that spot at your store where they always have cookies, Brett, like if they've studied that as a place for this is where 80% of people pause and think I'm hungry. And then they'd like have those cookies there just waiting to draw you in because they, they know eye placement and, and where you stand and the average height of a person. Like those things are all taken into consideration. I'd like to know more about this spot. Wow. Well, it is it is next to the milk uh, jugs. So which, like, you, which most people need, right? Yeah. I mean, cookies and milk go hand in hand. So, but yeah, that makes sense. I never thought about that, you know, and it is co- sort of in like a corner where maybe uh, you'd be more likely to make an impulse buy. Greg, are you a fan of the cookies? I am a fan of the cookies. I don't buy a lot of cookies because I'm not really a dessert person. Not because I don't want to be, but I simply can't be. It would be a bad move on my point. But yeah, you know, uh, my dad worked in that world for a little little while. And I think those end caps, like the end of rows, is where they put the specials and the impulse buys. And of course, we know that the cereal, like the sugar pops and the corn pops and frosted flakes are all at kid's eye level. Mm-hmm. Like they study these things. They know exactly where to put these products in order to have you, A, notice them, and B, <laughs> buy them, and, and C, consume, the, consume them uh, more than, than you would possibly I, want to consume them. I'm picturing this guy whose job it is at the store who like sits in the back with it. I don't think this exists, just to be clear. And Brett, every day that Brett walks in, they're like, here comes this fool. Let's see how we can get him. Like It's just part of the game or something. Like, And they watch you pause by the cookies, and they're like, here he goes. He's going in. Come on, Brett. You know you want them. Oh, did you they, get them? You think they're betting. No. They're no. betting in the back on, <laughs> yeah. on what he's going to buy. Yeah. Like, here not. comes this guy. I did not buy them uh, because, like Greg, I I simply I cannot have <laughs> cookies in my home because had I brought those cookies home, I'd have consumed the entire bag 
in 10 minutes flat. Uh, I just can't, like, I, I'm not, I'm a potato chip fiend first, but I do love cookies, uh, particularly Oreo cookies or chocolate chip cookies. And Oreo's got, like, they they recently had the, the most stuff or whatever, the, the ones mm-hmm. that are super stuffed, and they've got those, the fudge-covered Oreos, those are, like, just it's the work of Satan, as far as I'm concerned, because they are so, so good and so tempting. So, yeah, I just, I can't. Uh, bring snacks home. I did cave the other day and I bought those old Dutch uh, creamy guacamole chips and I had a another potato chip craving on Monday so I ran down to the gas station to buy some Doritos but uh, otherwise yeah I just I can't have snacks in my home uh, even ice cream like if if I have ice cream in my freezer it calls to me at night like I wake up at in the in the middle of the night and just find myself like zombieing towards the freezer in the dark and I'll just sort of stand there by my kitchen counter eating ice cream. So yeah, I had a salad for dinner yesterday instead. <laughs> Stop it ice with cream. the sad salad. Do you at least put cheese or something? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I put cheese in there and I mean you know, I and I'm very liberal with the uh, the salad dressing. Yesterday was the uh I had some uh, Paul Newman Italian dressing which is Delicious, but uh, yeah, it, I'm I'm trying to just wait for my weekend reward, which I think is either going to be pizza or burgers and chips. I, Hal Anderson yesterday bought burgers and fries for everybody uh, who was in the building for lunch, and I had to get out of here uh, just as it was arriving. So I'm kind of craving a burger and fries now. So uh, yeah, let us know. By the way, at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight, would you try a tiramisu Oreo? Do you even like, I don't even know, what is tiramisu? Greg, do you know what tiramisu is? Yeah, it's an Italian-based uh, or style dessert. It's sort of like, it's almost like a pudding, but it's not really a pudding. It can be in a cake or pie form. It's got a cookie, a ladyfinger cookie in there typically. It's got a espresso or coffee flavoring and some potentially some caramel as well. I think that hazelnut might be the base in the, in the uh, in the in the whipped part of the cake, it, it's quite good. It's wow, quite good. you really did you pull you really, all that off yeah, the top like, of your what, head? Did you Wikipedia tiramisu <laughs> while you were talking just now? Oh, I, I think we used to have that at Olive Garden. I worked at Olive Garden for about four months, but not and, uh, maybe six months. And uh, no, uh, while I was working at Chi-Chi's, I was moonlighting at Olive Garden and uh, going to university at the same time. It was not a fun uh, six months. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's got, that I did a po- terrible job of romancing that. No, no, you actually like because I'm looking at the description. And when you mentioned the lady fingers, I thought, how how did he pull that out? But yeah, I think it I think I, I have had it, but it's been years so uh, now that I see that there's a coffee flavor, maybe I would skip that particular Oreo cookie. Hey, by the way, before I forget to mention this, I noticed this on the way in. I don't know if you guys noticed if you were out and about at all yesterday. Gas prices on the way up, 83.9 I saw at uh, Domo on Academy. Canadian Tire on uh, St. James had it at 83.9, so I guess they pumped it up yesterday. Uh, so let us know what you're seeing in terms of gas prices at 204-780-6868 uh, because... I'm glad. I actually, when gas jumped to 73.9 the other day, I knew that Petro Canada, I had driven past Petro Canada on Portage and I saw it was 65.9 and I thought I should fill up. I don't feel like doing it. And then everywhere gas was 73.9. So I drove out to the Petro Canada on Regent, or is it, I guess it's Nairn at that point, and it was still 65.9. And then I, that's when I drove past you, Greg, when you were coming out of the 4R Depot. Okay. So. <laughs> So that's what I was doing out there, in case you're wondering, why did Brett just text me to say he just drove past me? 
I figured you're just going to see your dad. So uh, just figured, thought maybe you're taking that alternate route down Mission, the the speedway down Mission. You don't have to worry about the traffic signals there. Oh well, yeah, but you, the, when you go down Mission, you're more than likely to hit a train on uh, Panet. So I true. I try very to, true. I try to avoid that, or a train on Mission, right, like right by Archibald. A Winnipeg-born NHL player is facing massive criticism after private messages degrading women were exposed online. Here's Global News anchor Kevin Hirschfield with more. Brendan Leipzig of the Washington Capitals is one of the people who appears to be commenting in a group chat that surfaced. He uses derogatory terms while speaking about women, including their weight and their appearance, and speaks about drug use and other posts. Now, they've since been removed. The Capitals say they are aware of the comments and will deal with the matter internally. Leipzig posted an apology on his Twitter account, claiming his friend's Instagram account was hacked. He says, I fully recognize how inappropriate and offensive these comments are and sincerely apologize to everyone for my actions. I am committed to learning from this and becoming a better person by taking time to determine how to move forward in an accountable, meaningful way. I am truly sorry. So that was Global's news anchor, Kevin Hirschfield, with the details on this. And as we move forward, there's going to be lots of questions about the comments that were actually made in this private chat. And then, of course, just the fact that this private chat was shared by someone at some point in the first place. So the messages appear to have come from a group chat that the 25-year-old was involved with. There was apparently a number of people in this chat. Global News has not accurately verified the identities of the other players potentially involved, but in multiple conversations... The NHLer also insults some of his teammates, other NHL players, and even their spouses, Greg. Yeah, Washington Capitals President of Communications, Sergei Kocherov, said in an emailed statement to the Global News, we are aware of the unacceptable and offensive comments made by Brendan Leipzig in a private conversation on social media. We will handle this matter internally. The posts have been removed from multiple different online sites. Leipzig appears to have deleted his Instagram account, although his apology was posted on his Twitter account that was still active as of 5 o'clock this morning. One of the other individuals under the microscope is another Winnipeg-born player, Jack Rodewald. Rodewald is a member of the Florida Panthers organization, and the team says they are looking into yesterday's events. Here's what they had to say, quote, The Florida Panthers have been made aware of a private social media conversation involving one of our players where offensive comments were made. These actions have no place in our organization or our great game. We will cooperate fully with the league and the NHLPA to ensure this matter is handled quickly and appropriately. It's interesting how these things spread. You've had uh, two different teams now responding. And then, of course, the entire league has had to respond. The NHL saying in a statement that it strongly condemns the misogynistic and reprehensible remarks made by players Brendan Leipzig and Jack Rodewall in a private group chat that has surfaced on social media. It goes on to say there's no place in our league for such statements, attitudes and behavior, no matter the forum. And the NHL says it will address this inexcusable conduct with the clubs and players involved. Some some pretty heavy words there, Greg. Yeah, and I don't know what you guys have been uh, seeing online or on social media in response to this, but uh, I was watching it since yesterday and the backlash from fans on social media, Swift, 
harsh and in most cases not suitable as are the disgusting conversations for us to read on air the one can only imagine the backlash that road wald and leipzig will who were on the receiving end of the reported insults and inappropriate commentary and those are polite terminologies for the the words and the conversations uh transmitted one of the most common observations by fans and other commentators is in the wake of this is a fact which is why i'll share it here brendan leipzig has been a member of five nhl teams since being drafted 89th overall by nashville in 2012 so six organizations he made his nhl debut with the toronto maple Leafs in 2015 2016 where he played six games before stints with Vegas Golden Knights, Vancouver Canucks, Los Angeles Kings, and is now, at least for now, a member of the Washington Capitals. So this is um, casting a spotlight on the culture of hockey, the culture of sport overall. Uh, we understand that not anybody or everybody who plays these sports is uh, acts this way or talks this way but it highlights concerns lots of people have uh, shared over the years about the type of of conversations that go on quote-unquote uh, Loren locker room conversations which uh, based on what we saw yesterday uh, beyond inappropriate oh and it's the words that were used against some of the women they were talking about some of the alleged words and calling women uh, one of the women pigs and talking about their weight and all these kinds of things and I've, I've seen one of the women who who was involved or targeted in some of this attack responds just a beautiful photo of herself and and talking about how she's working to be a powerful role model for women and she's she's gorgeous and lovely and, and to know that these words are being used against anyone uh is shocking and i think also you know it's not just a talk it's very easy to say this is a hockey thing or a locker room thing or even an athlete thing and i think it comes down to having a very serious conversation about the way we talk about one another and the words we use and and from where i'm sitting particularly when we come to talking about women and how words can just be thrown out that that are laughed at like it's part of the daily vernacular like uh, just talk just just talking and or boys will talk like this and i I know that's not the case for so many, but let's not make it a hockey thing. Let's make it a, a bigger conversation about the way we speak about people and, and stop and think about if you wouldn't want that out there like it is right now, why are you saying it in the first place? Yeah, and I think that that, that echoes a sentiment, Greg, that you've shared multiple times on this program. Would any of us be able to survive? How do you call it? A forensic audit of our life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly the the question that I ask, and and so even for me, uh, I've seen some of the comments that were distributed, and you know, you know, never mind the fact that someone within that group was taking screenshots and then shared them, so was somehow either offended or this is some sort of act uh, of retribution against uh, one or more of the other people in that group. That that is so far aside, but I'm even, Loren, uncomfortable just to even try and characterize what was said. I'm uncomfortable just with the nature of the conversations, let alone the details and there are some people who feel exactly the same way as I do, is just the, the mere thought of anybody having conversations on that level it, it makes us sick to our stomachs. Well, I, I, it makes you ill because if someone's willing to say those things, you have to wonder what's you know, it, you know know really going on in their heads. And I get that he's apologized it, but he keeps using you know the idea that he's apologized about a private conversation that's gone public. And so again, I get back to the point like, 
like you're talking about people in a really derogatory and offensive way. So do you feel that way? Do, or is this just a joke to you? Do you really feel that way? You know, you have an argument to be made. If you go to that level of, of saying these things to your friends, then there's a, a root feeling there about what you might feel about other people. And why are you, why are you putting that into print? Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. There's, you, you can talk about this private chat going public. I don't really care. We have to all stop and think about the words that we're using. And right, maybe yeah. lots of us wouldn't survive a forensic audit, Brett. We, most of us maybe wouldn't, but I worry more about the idea of what's being said and the message that might send to other people out there. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Adele, singer, world-famous singer Adele, posted a picture on Instagram on her birthday a couple of days ago. And uh, she, in that picture, she thanked frontline workers, and she just wanted to say, drop in, say hi. She doesn't do a lot on social media, but occasionally she sort of pokes her head up. But uh, one of the things that was noticeable that most people commented on was the fact that she is a lot more slender uh, we had this discussion back in December, Loren, because she posted a picture online and people were commenting about her weight loss and she appears to have lost more weight. Uh, so a lot of people sung her praises, but then that prompted a lot of other people to say, hold on, hold on, why are you even commenting on her, her weight loss? Because she's not. And then there was this massive debate that got really ugly, uh, quite frankly. I, I, had to throw, I had to just put my phone down because I got disgusted by what I was seeing. What was your reaction to this, Loren? Yeah, I, I saw the photo and I thought, oh, wow. Like, I did think the same as a lot of people. She looks she looks really different than she did even just a few months ago. That wasn't why she posted the photo or if it was her way of saying, look, I'm proud of uh, some accomplishments I've made with my health. And that's that's great, too. I, what what stress what bugs me about all of this is that um, people's bodies are is so very personal. Yes, they're public and they're out there for people to see, but nobody needs to be commenting on them period, uh, unless you know them really well and it's a friend of yours and say you know that they've been working really hard to get healthy or fit or they return to the gym because they want to get muscle or whatever, then then feel free to compliment them. But beyond that, leave it alone. They know where they are at in life. I remember um, when I was living in Zimbabwe when I was in my early 20s and weirdly they had the first skip the dishes I think ever on the planet in Africa Neat. because I discovered this delivery service while I was there living alone and lonely that would bring me food from any restaurant in Harare, Zimbabwe and I put on a ton of weight and I knew it and I on my way home emailed my family to say just so you know I'm coming home you know x pounds heavier probably 20 pounds heavier you don't need to tell me I'm aware and thanks. And then I overheard some comments at a outing on the first night I was home, not from family, about how fat I had gotten. And I had to go in the bathroom and cry because people are aware of where they're at in life, whether it's what the body they want, whether it's not the body they want, whether they're working towards something, whether they're not. And they do not need to be told about it. So leave it alone is my feeling. Mackling, 30 seconds, quick reaction. Well, here's one of the headlines I'm looking at. Adele's weight loss is none of your business. Adele's weight loss is a double bind. Adele's new birthday photo thanking frontline workers sparks debate on body image. If I haven't come out and publicly said I'm trying to lose weight and I'm struggling or I've succeeded, yeah, keep your comments to yourself. Yeah, I think that, I think when fans come out and say, oh, she looks great, I think they mean well. But it's it's certainly just the, the way that this whole topic has evolved over the last couple of years has been really eye-opening for me on a personal level. Uh, so I just I find it fascinating. But also, like I said, I was really sad with some of the comments I was seeing yesterday on social media to the point where I just had to throw my phone down and, and turn on Survivor on global TV. 
the small town salute, which is intended to take us on a virtual trip somewhere outside the perimeter highway. We also see it as a way, Greg, for those communities to invite all of us for a visit. Mm-hmm. This morning, we are going to do one of those two things. We're going to take a virtual trip to one of the most popular places for Manitobans to spend a big chunk of their summers or maybe just one day or a handful of hours. We're going to Kenora, Ontario. Loren, the message today is the diametric opposite of the one we usually get at some point in our conversation during Small Town Salute, an invitation to, as Kern Hill Furniture says, come on down. Yeah, our next guest actually has a very different message for all of us this morning. We want to say hello to the mayor of Kenora, Dan Raynard. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thanks for coming on. And I have to say I'm a huge fan of Kenora. And like many Manitobans, I, I actually feel in some ways like it's a part of Manitoba, even though I know I have to cross into the Ontario border to get there. And so I want to know what your message is to the rest of us as we navigate our way through the slow reopening of our economy and a a lifting of some restrictions that could lead someone down the number one towards your neck of the woods. Well, our message has been consistent and it mirrors that of the, um, our health authorities across the province and across Canada. And even with uh, Dr. Rusin in Manitoba in that at this point in time, it's not the, it's not time to be going to your cottage. Now, we have to recognize that we're more, when you talk about you feel like you're part of, we're part of Manitoba. Let's be realistic. Our our success, everything about Kenora um, parallels much closer to life in, uh, with, in Winnipeg as opposed to what happens in southern Ontario. So we recognize that it's so important uh, our summer residents our summer visitors they're the lifeblood of our economy and it's it's really difficult when we recognize how important um, that group is to the success and viability of our community and we're and we're it's always open doors welcome please come and now we're saying you know can you hold back for a while and I'm seeing light at the head of the, or at the end of the tunnel now, and it's no longer a train. Um, yesterday, all the mayors of cottage country across Ontario were on a conference call with the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, and his cabinet. And it seems like we're moving in a direction where restrictions are going to be or they're going to be reduced, which will slowly allow us to come back and become the community we all love and live and travel to. So the message still is, please, if you don't have to come, we're not encouraging people to come at this point, recognizing that we're all going to be here sooner and then we'll all be able to healthy and enjoy what uh, we all love about being on the water. Mr. Mayor, you, you sort of use two terms there, visitors and part-time residents, because that's the way a lot of folks that have property either in Kenora or on Lake of the Woods or Northwestern Ontario view themselves as as summer residents. And so this is rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. They shout out, uh, I pay taxes in those jurisdictions. Uh, this is uh, might be even for a lot of people, they may winter say as an example in Arizona and then their summer home or there is in, in Northwestern they're caught in a little bit of a pickle here. What do we, what do we say to those people who view themselves as part-time residents versus just cottagers? 
Well, you know, it's not just our summer. This semester, or what you've just indicated, that was heard loud and clear yesterday. The same thing where in the Muskoka's areas, it's it's the same thing. I pay taxes. I go there. Um, I'm part of the community. And people have to recognize this is not my message. This is the message from our health authorities, the experts that are dealing with COVID-19. And because we have a small hospital and our hospital has been adamant that they have concerns about being able to provide services, it's going to put a, if we were able to ever to hit the wave, which fortunately when we look at the numbers that are in Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, you know, really hasn't hasn't hit us. Manitoba hasn't even had 300 uh, total cases during the entire time. Province of Ontario in southern, especially in the southern portion, that's a daily occurrence. So recognizing that how important people are, you know, we're not even to the May long weekend yet. And traditionally, that's when we start to see a lot of people. I'm fairly confident you know, within the next two to three weeks, we're going to see some of these restrictions uh, modified. Like if you came into Kenora right now, other than grocery stores and the liquor store and the beer store, there is nothing else open. Restaurant, there's a couple restaurants where you can do takeout only. Um, the Canadian Tire is closed. Uh, the home hardware is closed. They They do, you have to order online and then when your order's ready, you drive up. So we, we really have limited services. Manitoba right now is ahead of us, which creates, again, some confusion. We're the premier of Manitoba. There's, on Monday, a lot more businesses were able to open. We don't have any of that right now. So we're really concerned that as people come in, that we don't have the services. Our health care providers are are. You know, they keep reinforcing that they're concerned. So as a community and as a council, we will continue to support our healthcare experts. What about Harbour Fest? That's, an, that's a popular event over the summer. Is that uh, what's going to happen with that? Well, it's, it's interesting in that the majority of festivals, much like across Manitoba, uh, you know, fishing, There's it's huge. We have tournaments all across Northwestern Ontario, festivals, they've all been cancelled with the exception of Harbour Fest. And, and I think in fairness to the organizers of Harbour Fest is that they're, they're not prepared to make the decision now. Um, they're, they're holding out hope that they could still have it. Um, so right now that one's in limbo. There really is nothing scheduled. Uh, the KBI, the big Fishing tournament the week before has been cancelled. Uh, festivals throughout uh, after have been cancelled. So that's the only one. I really don't see, personally, see that happening just based on social distancing. Um, you need to have the huge crowds. You need to have the harbour front packed in order to generate the revenues to uh, subsidize that, that operation. But right now, that organization has not made a final determination. All right. Well, Kenora Mayor Dan Reynard joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hopefully we'll be able to get out there and visit your wonderful community soon.
We're looking forward to having everyone back, everyone at their cottages and everybody out on the lake. So thank you very much for inviting me this morning. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb text message from Joanne. I was on meds that caused lots of weight gain, and I attended a function where a friend I hadn't seen for years was there. I went to say hi, and she gasped and said, Oh my, have you ever gained weight? I agreed, but while we kept talking, she did the entire body gazing thing, and when she realized I had asked her a question, she said, I'm sorry, I just can't believe how much weight you've gained. I took a deep breath and replied, Yes, like I said, I am on meds that have led me to gain a lot of weight. I am hoping in the next few years that I can lose the weight. But you know what? You're still going to be ugly. (laughs) She grinned and said, I'm sorry, I guess I deserved that. Yes, she did, Joanne. And the reason why Joanne sent us this text is earlier this morning, well, just last half hour, we had a conversation about how Adele posted a picture on her birthday two days ago on Instagram. Just saying hello, and she wanted to thank frontline healthcare workers. And she is significantly smaller than she used to be. I believe she's lost over 100 pounds. So naturally, her fans were commenting and congratulating her weight loss, even though she has said nothing publicly about her weight loss. But people just wanted to celebrate her weight loss, but that got a lot of people saying, hold on, what are you doing? Why are you even talking about her weight? Because she's not. Uh, So we wanted to just continue that conversation because we have this little group chat where, because we're, none of us are in the same room. Greg's at home, Loren's at home, I'm in the studio, so we have to communicate via text. And uh, we kind of had a a chat about our own uh, issues with weight. Uh, Greg, do you want to kick this off? Yeah, well, you know, uh, typically when Joanne's conversation, you could substitute i'm sorry i just can't believe how much weight you have lost and people would think oh well then that's a positive conversation well not necessarily because what i'm finding uh with the little bit of weight that i've lost over the last few weeks i'm always appreciative when people give me a compliment so please don't get me wrong uh in any way shape or form if you want to compliment me i will take it but it does have the effect of reminding you of the battle that you've had with your weight. And it was something that I was very unfamiliar with growing up. I never had a problem. I was always trying to gain weight, uh, playing football and other sport. I was always too skinny for my height. And so I battled with my weight in a different fashion. And then now to be, uh, to be losing some of that weight, once again, I appreciate you noticing, but you're reminding me also of the battle that I had. And so, Loren, it, it's difficult. It's never far away from you. Even when you're getting the positive responses, the battle you had with yourself, whether it's your brain, your body, or both, the idea that you know that you needed to lose some weight Thank you. I appreciate you noticing that I've lost some, but it's also a never-ending battle with yourself. Well, for sure. And and what you're going to be happy with. And at the end, it's choosing to like yourself no matter what form your body is in. And that becomes, I think, the hardest part of the equation at all. And, and the comments around Adele either gaining or losing weight tie into the conversation we had at 635 about NHL. Or, and I keep getting his name wrong, guys. Say it for me. Leipzig? 
Leipzig, yeah. Leipzig. So yeah. he had made some comments on a private chat that were shared publicly. A lot of them did have to do with women and, and about weight and all the rest. And so there's all sorts of people waking up this morning, either hearing about those comments that uh, uh, was were made by a group of men in a group chat, specifically by this NHLer, and thinking like, here we go again, you know, feeling shamed about weight for, for no good reason at all. Or they're thinking about their own battles with weight, as you and I have been talking about this morning. And at the end of the day, it really just comes down to, I don't, I don't think we get to judge what that other person is thinking or feeling when it comes to how they feel about themselves, particularly because it's not, as we've said so often, Brett, this number on the scale thing. I've got a lot of people in my life. And so, you know what? Quite frankly, these days I'd include myself. Is that is the number on the scale where I'd like it to be? No. Have I been working out almost every day for the last four months and super happy about, you know, my cardio and my heart and how I'm coming along with just muscle and how I'm much better playing with my kids and all the rest. Yes. So I look at it as a, as a fit number and it's really easy to judge someone else for, for the number on the scale or the fat you might see without thinking about how fit they might be. Plenty of women and men out there could kick all of our butts no matter what weight we're at because they're fit no matter what that number on the scale says. Yeah. And, and for me, and I've talked about this uh, here and there over the last couple of years, since April of 2018, I lost as much as 65 pounds. I think I've since put on about 10 pounds or so because I got up to 250 and now I'm at around 195. But I was very happy with the fact that I lost weight. I did end up losing a little too much because I started, lost some muscle as well and I needed to, I was getting just a little too skinny so I needed to try to gain some healthy weight. But I was very happy. So whenever people would say, you've lost weight, man, I would say, yeah. And it, I would, I appreciated that but what i've come to learn is that just because i appreciate being told that i've lost weight doesn't mean everybody appreciates being told they've lost weight so i think it's just a, it's a careful conversation that you like if you're prepared to open that door i think you need to know what you're getting into and just seeing the the reaction to people saying why are we talking about adele's weight again that's something that i wouldn't have thought of a couple of years ago but the the what really angered me about the whole debate is how how angry people got on both sides you had people and who were doing just outright fat shaming there was slim shaming there were people get getting just really ugly in this debate but it does also bring up points of self-loathing as well i just mentioned the the cookies uh, the tiramisu oreo cookies I wanted to buy them, but I didn't buy them because I knew I would hate myself because all I would be thinking about is, ah, great, now I'm going to gain weight and I'm going I'm to start going back down that road because I don't want to regain that weight because I know how much I hated myself when I was heavier. And yeah, the, it's, it's, a, it's a teeter-totter of self-loathing when it comes to weight stuff. So if you have any feedback you want to share, 204-780-6868. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, hot off the presses, our new question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. If you have a cottage, will you be staying away for now? Yes, until it's deemed safe, still thinking about it, or no way are your options. Cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also thrown that up on Twitter, at 680CJOB. After Global News at 8.30, we'll check in once again with our friends at Siloam Mission as restrictions begin to loosen the risk remains for our most vulnerable population, including Winnipeg's homeless. And at 8.45, it's our next chance to qualify for wishing I was fishing. 
But we start this hour with the latest on COVID-19. 35. That's how many active cases Manitoba health officials are currently monitoring in this province with another 242 listed as recovered. And for many Manitobans, Brett, uh, listening to those briefings with Dr. Brent Rusin, our public health officials, and watching those numbers rise or fall has become an almost daily routine. I know many people in my circles who now will listen to CGOB right at one or go online to CGOB.com to watch the live stream of those updates because they want to hear the numbers. They want to know where the numbers are at. And they also want to know the daily daily advice, like the fact that just last week, April 23rd, the message was don't go to your cabin or cottage right now because they want to keep up with the daily info, Greg. Yeah, and as health officials have said, this battle is far from over. But as we move through the first phase of a slow reopening of our economy and potentially into the second phase, what do we need to watch for in those numbers that you're talking about, Loren? And will it ever get to a point where we will see a return to normal for school and for our kids? Cynthia Epp is an epidemiologist with Epi Research here in Winnipeg. She joins us again this morning. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. I liked how you just called me Cynthia Epp. Everybody just thinks of me as the epidemiologist now. <laughs> oh, that's my fault. Cynthia Carr. I'm sorry. I wrote this up and I, yes. I, you wouldn't believe the combo of names I've done, Cynthia. My apologies. Cynthia that's Carr. Okay. Go, go ahead. Greg. Just call me Ron my Burgundy. parents didn't know what I did. So now it's just epidemiologist is fine. <laughs> Well, there you go. We've combined your your name with what you do. Uh, Please accept my apologies, Cynthia. We've had you on so many times, I I should have caught that. Slow and steady, that's the approach, and and Mm -hmm. I think that's what we discussed last week as well. But the numbers that you're keeping an eye on, because uh, we're apt to draw our own conclusions from the numbers that we see. We're seeing more and more of that, I think, uh, the general public uh, running their own models, so to speak. Which ones are important to you? Right. So definitely information is power. And as you said, we are lucky that we continue to have a daily briefing. There's lots of information online that we can look for. But we don't want to just sort of say, okay, I see where the risk group is. I'm not it. I can continue uh, to, you know, proceed back to life as uh, what it was prior to this. So we know from our data that clearly um, our most vulnerable populations, our elderly, um, are at highest risk. We're seeing outbreaks in different areas across the province or across the country as well. Um, So that shows us that even though we can see where the most vulnerable population is, as we've talked about before, it's a very sneaky virus with an excellent strategy being that it has a long incubation period. So you don't know if you've been infected right away. There's opportunity to transfer uh, because many of us don't become symptomatic at all. And we can see from our long-term care facilities across Canada where they're having more cases, those people never leave the facility. So even with all of the um, extra safety measures, infection is still getting in. So that shows how important it is to keep monitoring data at the um, areas where we already know are at high risk, but also now to keep track of are we seeing outbreaks or spread in different communities or in different areas that might be associated with newly opened uh, either medical facilities or other businesses. Every province is approaching reopening slightly differently, but for many the big question is schools. We've been told Mm -hmm. here in Manitoba that a return to school this year pretty much off the table until fall. What should we consider here? Yeah, it's a challenging uh, decision to make for policymakers because 
Um, we've learned that things can happen that we don't expect. So um, I think last week we were starting to see a few cases in, in very young children of a disease that is, is either or is related to something called Kawasaki disease, and that's typically in kids age 5 and under. It's usually treatable, but in very rare cases, it can go on to cause uh, significant impact to the heart. So that is something that is rare, uh, but is coming out. And I think they've said in Quebec now, they've seen a couple cases. So just if anybody's worried about that, um, it would be a high fever. Your children would have sort of peeling skin, red eyes. It's quite obvious, um, but it's quite treatable right away. So that is something just um, that might be related to having being exposed uh, to COVID-19. So uh, that is something that we're sort of looking at, even though it's rare, there is a little bit of that. On the other side, thinking about opening schools and the impact of kids, both socially and in their education uh, journey of staying out of school. We know that many ki- kids are part of what we're calling now the digital divide. So kids in my communities where I typically work in northern isolated communities, there's not even cell service in the community. People don't have internet at home. They rely on Wi-Fi, but the catch-22 with that is places that have Wi-Fi might still be closed. So those children can't even participate in online schooling. Um, we also see if we if we take a bit of a journey across the world, still people age 19 and under are much less likely to be hospitalized. Sort of the highest rate is about 5% of cases are seen in people age 19 and under. That's the case in Canada. Through random testing in Iceland, we're seeing that kids tend to be what we call not good carriers, which is a good thing. So in Iceland, in kids under 10 in random testing, 7% of kids were positive compared to about 14% of the rest of the population. So Iceland, again, is where we learned that half of people with positive test results didn't even have any symptoms. So that shows us, again, the challenge with reopening schools, even if they're not great carriers, If they're asymptomatic, there can be spread, lots of kids under one roof. And what about kids that live in situations uh, where they live in sort of multi-generational families? So they might go back and potentially spread that to an older person in their family or, again, in children living in challenging situations where they might live in overcrowded housing. Uh, They might be more vulnerable because they have more exposure to smoking or poor nutrition. So... There's certainly a lot to balance against, just as you said at the start of this, look at the data. So the data, yes, it's about 5 to 7% of all cases across the world seem to be in kids age 19 and under, but there's other challenges. Cynthia Carr is an epidemiologist with Epi Research right here in Winnipeg. Joining us once again, Cynthia, thank you so much for the time as always. We appreciate your insight. My pleasure. Have a good day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. It might be hard to believe, but it was eight weeks ago today Manitoba announced its first case of COVID-19. So that was March 12th, two months ago, and then not long after, Manitoba took that preemptive step of announcing that schools would close March 23rd, although we know there were many parents who actually pulled their kids out a little earlier ahead of that uh, spring break because there was concerns of the coronavirus, meaning 
It's been close to two months since kids have been in a classroom, which for many of us has been a huge learning curve. Uh, I know the same goes for teachers and EAs and all the folks who've been working hard to try to get homework and assignments out to kids. I think there's been some low moments, maybe some high moments, everything in between, Greg, but definitely not all bad. Not bad uh, necessarily for for lots of us. In fact, here's a tweet from Tom Flood. I don't know who Tom is, never met him, but it caught my attention yesterday. Somebody in my timeline that I do follow either retweeted or liked this tweet. Our kids have traded in their overscheduled lives for just going outside, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Forget extracurricular, forget obligations, forget tutoring, Forget trying to keep up with everyone else. Forget four kinds of sports. Forget stress. Stop. Just go outside. This is why we wanted to bring on our next guest, Dr. Raymond Abdulrahman of Clinic of Psychology. He joins us now. Good morning, Raymond. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Let's let's start with, with the good, if we can get anything good out of this COVID-19 situation. You know, multiple... Volleyball practices has been a part of my life for the last three months. It's stopped suddenly. Volleyball tournaments, uh, extracurricular activities, school activities, which I love to see my kids do. And I know Loren sometimes had multiple birthdays on weekends. Uh, These things can be very stressful. But as that tweet pointed out, kids are rediscovering that idea of free play a little bit. Is Is this a good thing for them? You know, I, I think it uh, definitely can be a good thing. I think if we try to find a way to engage with them. Um, one of the things that I think this whole thing has brought up is the idea that we stop compartmentalizing ourselves. Like our professional selves and our personal selves as adults have to all be smushed together in one. And we're all forced to accept that side of our coworkers. Um, so, you know, we had that BBC moment where that kid had walked in on that reporter and that was such a rare thing and so novel at that time. And now it's like a standard thing. Our kids are walking into our meetings all the time. But that's exactly the point is that it now forces us to pay attention to them. And when we get to do that, that's when I think it's a, it's a good thing. So we have this, this greater sense of engagement, a greater opportunity for attachment with them. That's the benefit. I don't want to uh, derail from the positive stuff that we're talking about here, but Greg mentioned birthday parties. If you're an adult during this pandemic and you you can't get together with your friends, yeah, that sucks, but whatever, you power through it. But for kids, not being able to either go to a birthday party or to have a birthday party, that's got to suck. Oh, absolutely. There's both pluses and minuses. And I think, uh, you know, I think I think we can pay attention to the good things and and certainly thrive with those but I think it also causes us pause like as we move forward how do we try to engage better so we're missing these things so you know whereas before you know when you have that many parties sometimes it can feel like geez I have to go to another party and now you're thinking gosh I'm really going to appreciate this opportunity to, to see my kid get to hang out with their friends so I think this is an opportunity to give pause to the way that we've done things before and try to appreciate the things we previously took for granted. There's so many days where you'll reflect on that. And I don't know about, uh, I know you're a parent and there, 
myself at the end of the day, I'll look back on the day and there were so many great moments that I would never have had before. Again, I'm fortunate to have an employer that's allowed me to work from home and I still have my job. And so I know that is so different from the experience of, of many who are just struggling to make ends meet right now. And so you have all these people who've made all these massive changes and might be going under stress for all sorts of reasons. Bottom line, I think no matter where you are in that equation, you stop and think, what about the kids? Are the kids okay? And so yeah. my question to you in this time, without school, without the regular routine, even with the positives that come with that, what should we be watching for that might tell us how our kids are doing right now? Um, you know, I, I spoke earlier with you guys in other, in other places about allowing some flexibility with screen time. Um, but now as, you know, we have some loosening of restrictions and, uh, you know, the weather is better outside, we want to make sure that those old patterns don't continue of being overly tied to screen time. So now we have to start to move away from that. If we're watching our children still be stuck to that screen time, even when the weather is nice, even though some uh, the restrictions are loosened, uh, that's a pattern we want to watch to, to kind of adjust. Um, we want to make sure that children are also finding ways to engage with other people. We want to make sure that we watch that they're not becoming isolated uh, and just focusing on themselves. One of the other important things I think we need to be mindful of is anxiety for children. So in all of this, um, we've been excessively cautious about things, you know, wiping things down, wearing masks, wearing gloves. All those are necessary precautions, but we also want to watch that there's no excessive anxiety that's developing for children, where they're now starting to avoid things beyond those recommendations. And I think it's important to always tell our children that this is a temporary thing, so that this is not a standard for how they feel they need to be safe. So those are a few things to watch for. By now, you have likely heard that Winnipegger and current Washington Capitals forward Brendan Leipzig is, as our next guest says, trending for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, Kelly Moore helps you set your watch at 25 minutes after the hour all morning long right here on The Start. Kelly joins us now. Good morning, Kel. Good morning, everybody. I'm... Well, last night this story started to break and, and, you, and you knew that you would be uh, talking about it today and having to report on it. We wanted to get you, your insight uh, a little bit deeper on this one. But for those that might have missed sports at 925, why is Brendan Leipzig and conversation and comments around him filling my Twitter timeline this morning? Well, I would be out of work if I uh, said some of the things uh, that were communicated during what was a private chat session, and I would suggest by the way of evidence, ongoing private chat sessions between Brendan Leipzig, another former Winnipeg minor hockey player, Jack Rodewald, and others who Global News has not been able to verify, so we are not identifying them. But uh, disparage I don't know if disparaging or degrading even fits the bill. Disturbing might be a better uh, D word to use uh, as far as the topics of conversation. There were also some references to drug use in there, as well as critical comments, not the usual kind of chirping or cheap shotting or trash talking that would normally uh, be had amongst teammates. That's prevalent in, in a lot of different venues, not just hockey, but these were comments that were that were beyond that, over the line, if you will, of people that Brendan Leipzig had played with before or has currently played with. And it's just a, 
it, it is a terribly negative situation. I, I, I felt embarrassed almost to be a male when I saw some of those comments. Mm. And it, because that is, is not the way I think the majority of a majority of us rather uh, feel towards our opposite gender. Uh, but I also I felt for the sport of hockey. I felt for women, and I also felt for the families of uh, Brendan Leipzig and Jack Rodewald and some of these others who have been outed on social media. Uh, but as I mentioned, we're not going to say their names until we can get verification. But I, I can't imagine how the conversations went with their families after this uh, went public. Oh, I, I, there's so many different layers to this, Kelly, because, uh, you know, you mentioned the comments that he made against some of his, his uh, line mates or teammates or former teammates. And then, of course, the comments about some of his former teammates or players' wives and weight and appearance and all those things being yeah. part of the equation. And so there was a lot of uh, men and women weighing in on social media this morning. Someone saying, you know, that brings tears to their eyes when they think about just the challenges that people have with their body image in general. And then knowing these kinds of cruel chats are taking place private or not, uh, is it additionally concerning? But one of the big questions and one of the things I've been thinking about is that I don't know if it's the comments uh, about uh, the women or the players themselves that are really going to be heavy here. I- I'm curious if there'll be grounds for him to be removed from the league because you can bet there'll be players now, his own teammates or linemates or former linemates, that will be stepping up and, and saying something. Is it possible for there to be a punishment for him to, to no longer be able to play? Well, I, I, uh, sorry, I didn't uh, get the text from Greg that I was coming on until just a few minutes before, uh, but I've been trying to madly search for the collective bargaining agreement. I know that there is a portion in there where there's a standard uh, level of performance that players must adhere to, uh, and that uh, if they do not meet the standard of conduct, that uh, their, their contracts can be voided. Uh, now, it's a totally different situation, but let's turn the clock back to last November uh, when the uh, the racial slurs came out uh, about between Bill Peters and Akeem Alou and, and the fallout from that. Uh, and then, of course, there was the, uh, the personal situation that involved former Dallas Stars head coach Jim Montgomery, who was let go by the team because his conduct was not... Uh, becoming uh, and meeting the standard of an NHL coach. So uh, the wording in the National Hockey League statement, I think, uh, would suggest that some pretty harsh reaction is going to take place uh, as a result of this. We know that trash talk, Kelly, a trash talk among players, even teammates, is extremely common. How is this different? Well, you know, there, there's playful jabbing. And I mean, and sometimes on the ice, I think it can get uh, uh, pretty hostile. But that's with an opponent. That's not with someone who you've played with. Uh, you know, the, the, the feeling in any locker room or dressing room uh, is that, you know, the guy that you're playing with and the guy beside you or across you, you you'd lay your life down for him if, if you had to. And, and so when these kind of things are said, that is... That, that's not the kind of, uh, of comment or the kind of mindset uh, where you would trust that individual to do for you uh, what you would do for him. So uh, it, it, as I mentioned in, in the sports, uh, you know, there are some times where damage controls go into place, uh, whether it's by teams, whether it's by agents or lawyers or whoever. 
to try to minimize uh, the, the fallout from this. But I, I don't know of any mechanism in place that's going to help uh, Brendan Leipzig or Jack Roldewald uh, uh, from recovering from this uh, uh, anytime soon. And, and nor should there, quite frankly. Uh, what they need is help. Uh, what they need is to uh, to get some professional counseling to to get their mindsets uh, in a proper uh, frame. Kelly, some people saying uh, this morning, last night, that this is a symptom of broken hockey, and and I'll maybe expand it to to sports culture and and culture amongst athletes. You've spent more time around hockey players uh, than uh, most people in this city have. Uh, what what would your take be on that? I. I would say that it's it's representative of a small percentage of people in general. Uh, I, I don't think that I would pigeonhole it to hockey culture or football culture or baseball or basketball or anything else like that. And I and I will say this, Greg and Loren and Brett, that you know, thankfully, from when I first started my uh, sports broadcasting and, and specifically play-by-play career back in the mid-'80s, there were things that were done then that would not be considered proper conduct now. Uh, and, and so I would like to think that we have evolved to a far greater uh, understanding of how to treat someone else uh, from when I first started. Uh, it's, it's incredibly disappointing and, and somewhat disturbing that these mindsets still prevail. And, you know, when you've interviewed some athletes before, and, and I, I'm pretty sure we've had Brendan Leipzig on this radio station, and there was never any indication whatsoever that this was the way that he felt about people uh, and about women. Uh, and and so t- to know that those kind of conversations were going on, and you know, there's been an argument as well. I've seen some comments on social media. You know, it's none of your business, you guys. These were private conversations. Well, that's fine, but if that's the way that you really feel, well, then uh, I, I, I don't know that that, that uh, uh, exudes any safety for the people who were the targets uh, of these conversations. So uh, if, if there's some good that comes out of all of this, the, the people that were involved in this private chat group all take a long, hard look in the mirror, all go and get help and maybe come out of it on the other side better people. And, you know, I I don't want to make it personal for you, Kelly. I just know you're a father of girls, and um, I'm a a mother of boys. And you think about both sides of the equation, about how uh, women might be feeling when they wake up and reading that this morning, and then how men might be feeling, and even myself as a mom of boys, about how you think about how you want to raise your kids. And I think one of the challenges as we learn more about the story going forward will be that, as you said, there would be things in the past where you would discount someone because you know what, that was their generation, or that's the way they maybe thought decades ago. I just want to remind people about the age of this young player. He's not even in the high end of the yeah. age range. He's he's pre- he's pretty young, so he's grown yeah. up in a generation where um, these kinds of things would definitely not have been acceptable. That's right. Yeah, and and I don't know if we can you know point the finger at families and say, well, you know, was this going on in the family that this fostered this type of of mindset? Uh, I don't believe for one minute that that would be the case. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're right, Loren. I, I the first thing I thought about when I saw this, I thought about my girls. I've got two granddaughters as well, and just all the women I know. Uh, but but very quickly, it also switched to, oh my God, what if? You know, Brendan Leipzig was my son 
or if I knew someone closely who were the parents, what they would be going through. They, they, they'd be questioning, what did we ever do or say that created that type of mindset? So uh, there's, there's a lot of hurt uh, that I think is going to come out of this. But, it, but as I mentioned, I'm one of those glasses half full and always trying to look at uh, the brighter side of things. If I, I always say out of every wrong, if we can somehow foster right, then at least it hasn't been a totally lost experiment. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.